And he thought people with depression come and tell him, if I can't really change my situation and there's no hope, then I am stuck. And this is a, a statement repeated by lots of people who have depression or feel depressed, that I am stuck. I feel stuck and I am stuck. Then he changed it to I feel stuck because simply the fact that you feel that you are stuck doesn't mean that you actually are stuck. So in summary this is Seligman's theory about, about depression. Why is this important? Why, did, why am I putting this slide? It's not because I do psychiatry. There's a reason. First reason is it's something that we all experience in our spiritual life. That we, we don't have to be clinically depressed, no. But we go through this, that we feel there's no hope and I can't do anything about it. So I'm stuck. And we bury that feeling and we carry on enjoying things with other people like they enjoy it. But deep down we feel, I'm stuck here. I can't change it and I don't see any way out of this. So I'm stuck. The other reason I put this here is for us to define hope. We need really to know what hopelessness is. Because we, for us to know what is hope, basically we need to be in a situation where we feel we're stuck. And then we see the hope. Or we expect something out of the misery that we have. So that's why we need to, to know what is hopelessness. Is that making sense? Any questions on this slide? So what is hope? If we now know the stuckness that we go through, what is hope? Amazingly, in Romans 4, when St. Paul is commenting on Abraham, Abraham's story is saying, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be like the sand at the sea and the stars in the sky. What strikes you here? What is striking in that verse? He had hope although everything around him told him he shouldn't have hope. So he had hope although things around him told him that you're hopeless kind of thing. So that made me think, well listen, that's why we needed to know about hopelessness. Because it seems that hope is something that you need to have when there is no hope. So hope from a Christian perspective is something that you need to have when it seems that there is no hope. Why is this important? Because I'm not going to talk to you about having hope when things are going well. Someone says, I've done so well in the exam and I hope I pass. That's not the hope I'm talking about. The hope I'm talking about is when you don't see anything nice around you and you hope that something good will come out of this. And that's the story of Abraham. The story of Abraham that he had a terrible situation but he had a promise and he hoped that something good might come out of this. Contrary to hope, he hoped. And this is key in our understanding of what hope is. Hope here is expecting something good to come out of a miserable, hopeless situation where you feel really helpless. The other thing that strikes me here is that there is a link between hope and faith. 
So it seems that the two are closely linked. Because it says, in hope he believed. So that made me think, well listen, if we don't have the faith, then we can't really hope. So hope and faith are closely linked. And the last thing, that there was a change in the end. And I really like how St. Paul phrased it. So he says, so that he became the father of many nations. So that tells me and you, that when there is hope, according to Abraham, you will become something different, like Abraham. So the end of it was that Abraham became the father of many nations. So three things are learned from that, from that verse. One is for hope to be effective, to be heavenly, to be holy, it happens when there is no hope. Secondly, there's a link between hope and faith. And thirdly, in hope, something will change. So it's not just hoping and nothing happens. So by hope, God didn't come to Abraham and said, well, you've done so well, but nothing is going to change. No, there was a change. Are you still following? Still we are on what is hope. Another verse from Romans to explain it a bit better. For what is hope here? It says, we hope that is seen is not hope. So hope that is seen is not hope. What does it tell me and you? Let me read it all for you. For we are saved by hope. We are saved by hope. Is hope such an important thing that I am saved by hope? But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that what we, we see not, then do we, we do that with patience, wait for it. So basically, what St. Paul is saying, if we hope for something that we see, that's not hope. So if I say, I really, really hope that... Mina comes to the conference and I see him coming or I see his name on the list. Is that hope? That's proof. That's proof, kind of thing. But if I hope in something that I can't see, that's something that I don't just hope for it silently or statically, but actually I wait for it patiently. So two things I learned from this from that verse. First thing is hope is not in something you see. Remember the rat. So that rat was stuck, and he couldn't see a way out. So hope is something that you can't see. You hope in something that you can't see. But secondly, which is really important, that hope is not static. You wait patiently for it. So you don't hope for something and you just sit there and do nothing. You actually wait patiently for it. There's waiting with patience. So they are linked together. Hello? Welcome. So, before we go into my last slide on what is hope, I'm just going to give you a simple example of hopelessness to see what hope means. Last night, I finished work and decided to... I, I have two patients to see in Edinburgh, which is about 40 minutes away from where I live. So for counselling. So I was like, okay, went there to see them. Finished at 9.30. It was really cold at night, last night. That's a real story. I'm not making it up. And my last patient was leaving and there's me trying to be nice and kind. So taking him out, showing him the way. And I hear a click. 
I was locked out. And it was almost 10 o'clock at night. I was locked out of the building. All my stuff, car keys, are in the building. I don't have my keys. Luckily, I had my phone. And I was just out there. It was very cold. And I didn't know what to do. So I had to phone my poor wife. I asked her to wake up the kids. Come and get me. Which, again, I'd say journey is about 45 minutes. So I had to wait for her to come to get me. To give me the extra key. So I went in, got the keys and went out. So I was waiting. As I was waiting, I was like, this is really hopeless. There is nothing good that could come out of this. And I was thinking, it can't get any worse. I mean, I'm stuck. I'm cold. I just came out of a cold and chest infection, so I'm freezing. And I'm having to wake up my kids to come and get me out of, out of here. So it was really painful, but I was quite hopeless. Can you imagine me in that situation? But what I did, I thought, well, if I'm going to talk about hope, let me then think... Can I hope that something good can come out of this? And that was the question I asked myself. Can I hope that something good would come out of this? And the only thing that came out of this was this presentation. Because I prepared it when I was shivering. So, but it made me think, this is hopelessness. I couldn't hope to begin with that something good can come out of this. And then I made the decision, let me hope that something good can come out of this awful scenario. So what is hope? Hope was a decision that I had to take. A decision to trust that something good can come out of this. That decision was based on faith. Not wasn't based on my ability to prepare when I'm cold. It wasn't based on my ability to prepare a, a, a presentation with a, a pen and paper. Clearly it was based on faith. It has to be based on faith. And it will be manifested in my thoughts and feelings. So when you decide to hope that something good will come out of this, the manifestation will be be thinking positive thoughts and you'll be feeling positively, not miserable. Because you are actually hoping that something good can come out of this. And it will be translated in behavior. So you'll be doing something that translates that you're actually someone who have hope. This is really tricky because a lot of us our, tra- our behavior translates hopelessness. A lot of us, our behavior and our thoughts and feelings show us that we are not really living in hope and trusting that something good will come out of me who I feel hopeless about myself or out of my situation that looks obviously hopeless. So let's go through this again. So hope, hope is actually a decision. It's not just a feeling. It's a will to trust that something good will come out of something miserable or something dead. And it's based on faith. It's not based on anyone's ability. And it will be manifested in the way I'm thinking. Am I thinking in a hopeful way? And the way I'm feeling. And it will be translated into what I'm doing. Is what I'm doing reflecting hope or reflecting misery and despair and hopelessness? Is it making sense? So... Thank you for listening to my story last night. And then I go through this lovely verse that sums something interesting that St. Augustine is saying. When we say it's a decision, St. Augustine was asking that question. Does it mean it's my willpower? I can decide right to be hopeful or left to be hopeless? Is it just my decision? What's God's part in it? 
St. Augustine says something really, really interesting, the last two lines. He says that God prepares the will to receive divine aid, and He aids the will which has been prepared. Can you see it? Sorry. So he's saying that God prepares your will and my will to receive that support. And He gives that help, that aid, that hope to the will that He has prepared. What does that mean? Can anyone tell me? What does it mean? Why is that important from Santa Claus? He does both. He gives you the will and then he feeds that will. So one thing is, God does it all. He prepares your will and he gives you the aid for a will that he prepared. What else? What else is really significant about St. Augustine's quote here? So the last, last one. No takers? Behavior? Yeah. Elaborate. Behavior? Yeah, can you elaborate? Sorry. Yeah. Behavior? No. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about it. Tell me more. Um, What do you mean by So to receive divine aid and aid the will. You said it's a decision. So I've made the decision. I'm behaving in a way that based on faith. So I'm behaving in a way that is based on, on my faith and the, my belief in that promise. So Saint, um, so, so Saint Augustine is really keen for us to know that it's not just something I am doing. So when I say it's a decision, it's not purely me. It's actually God who works through my will to give me that power to hope in Him. So it's actually the work of God in me. So my decision is actually to allow my faith to work is to allow my belief in God to give me that hope. Should I say it again? So the decision I'm going to make to trust in God is actually to allow my faith to work. So, if we say that hope is based on faith, so what should I be believing in then? What are you talking about? When you say faith, is it like general faith? Or is there, are there a few specific things that I need to base my hope on? Yes, there are. First thing is that God is good at all times and unconditionally. So the, the, one of the main beliefs that I have to have so that my trust in God can be there and my hope can be there is that one. That God is good at all times unconditionally. Why is that important? Because if I believe that God is good sometimes, then it would be very hard to have hope. Because I'm not sure what to, what to expect, because it's unpredictable. I'm not sure if I catch him in a good moment or not. So it's very unpredictable. It's like someone whose parent is pretty unpredictable. So you don't know, is he always good? No, sometimes he's so cruel, sometimes he's so mean, sometimes he hurts. So I find it very hard to trust him and expect something good out of him because of that change. That's why it's really important that it's good at all times. And to me. So I need to believe that God is good at all times to me. Sometimes I believe that God is good for everyone else, but not to me. He he should be mean to me. He should be cruel with me. He should be a bit harsh with me. That belief doesn't generate hope. So, first fundamental belief that I can base my hope on is that God is good at all times to me. 
Why is he good at all times to me? It's not because I am good, but it's because of that person who passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us then come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. When we find grace to help in time of need, isn't that hope? There is grace coming to help you in time of need. That's hope. There's something that's going to help you in the time of need. Why am I basing, what am I basing that on? I'm basing it on one person, the Lord Jesus. Why is that important? Because when you're stuck in a sin and you can't really get out of it, usually habitual sins, and you feel I'm really stuck, or if you are in a situation where you think there's no way out of it, there's no way I can see any good coming out of this. One of your evidence that you use is because I'm bad. Isn't it? So when someone comes to you and says, Come on, share, have hope, man. I mean, things will be fine. One of the things that you say to yourself is, They can't be fine. Nothing good can come out of this because I'm not good. And I didn't put here that you need to believe that you are good. I put you need to believe that God is good to you. Does that make sense? So you are hoping in something, not because you are good, nah, but it's because He is good to you all the time. Is that making sense? Do you agree that this is key to base our hope on? That God is good at all times to me. What else? That God is omnipotent, that He can do all things. This is again key that I can base my hope on. Remember the rat, stuck, shocked, and what he needs, or that rat needs to believe in, that there is somebody, somebody, who can control the whole situation. Remember, Martin Seligman believed that helplessness comes from the lack of control. You think, I can't control my situation. I can't win. I'm losing here, I'm losing there. I've been trying to pray about it, I'm losing. I'm trying to stop it, I'm losing. Trying to confess, I'm losing. So I'm losing always. But here, you need to base it on belief that God can do all things. And again, if you look at this beautiful verse that you shouldn't really forget, it says, again it's about Abraham, that Abraham believed that God can call those things which be not as though they were. So this is the belief that you can base your hope on. That God can call something that doesn't exist and then it exists. Or can give life to something that is dead. Does that make sense? It does make sense in Abraham's story because his wife's womb was dead. But he believed that God can give life to something that is dead. And that God can actually call things that we can't see to existence. If you apply that to um, your holiness, for example, sometimes I think, well, God, you know what? I lost hope in holiness. I lost hope. I don't think that can ever happen. I know that you're good to me, but I don't have any hope that I can be holy, or I can ever be holy. I lost hope in them. And God is saying through St. Paul that God can call things that you can't see to existence. So God can call you holy so you become holy. 
So God has this ability because He is omnipotent. Does that make sense? So, I'm going back to remind you, we're talking now about what should I base my belief on? What should I believe in? One, that God is good at all times to me. Two, that He is omnipotent. And three, which again is linked to number one, is that God's work in me is through the resurrection of Christ. That Christ was in a situation that all His disciples, all of them, felt it was hopeless. He's dead. He's dead. What more can we talk about? I mean, what, there's every reason for us to be helpless and hopeless. Our teacher is dead. He can't come back again. He's dead. He's gone. Our hope is gone. But then when the Lord um, came back to them and said, I am alive, I'm not dead, something happened in their belief. And based on that, they had hope. Hope in everything that they went through. So, to remind you where we are, first we talked about hopelessness. Then we talked about what is hope. Then we talked about how can I believe in something to base my hope in it. What are the main things I should believe in? God is good at all times to me, and He is omnipotent. He can do all things. So, remember me last night? What were my alternatives? I was stuck. Decided to have hope. What were my alternatives to hope when I was there? Despair. Despair? Yeah, stay in despair. Cry. Really feel miserable. Decide that I'm really awful. Yes, despair. Absolutely. What other alternatives for me when I'm stuck shivering in the cold? And there's nothing really good that could come out of this. Violence. Say Violence? Yes. Anger. Absolutely. Very I kind of went through that a little bit. I was really angry. I was like, come on. I shouldn't have let the door kind of slam behind me. I should have done something. So really anger. Yes. Yeah. I go through the cycle of hopelessness and helplessness. So I become quite depressed and drawn and feel oh, another reason to be miserable. Yes. Alternatives. More. Yeah, guilt, self-blame. I am to blame. I should have just been more careful. I'm not sort of careful enough. And if we apply that to our lives, when we start having a miserable situation, first thing is, some of us, blame yourself. I'm awful. I am horrible. I am to blame. I caused this. I'm not a victim. I am stupid. So, okay, self-blame, you're right. What else? Someone said something else. And blaming others. Of every reason. Exactly. It's someone else's fault. It's someone else's fault. So full of blaming and feeling bitter, really. Because I wasn't looked after. My wife should have reminded me to take my keys. The patient should have just gone out without me needing to run. So lots of reason to blame others. Does that happen in our life? I see smiles. So when we go through something and there's nothing good coming out of it, first thing we do is we blame. Sometimes we blame our parents. Sometimes we blame circumstances. Sometimes we blame ourselves. Who else do we blame? 
he's the main person that we blame. He's the first one that crossed my mind. Because you put me in this. You could have easily reminded me to, to keep the door unlocked. You could have easily allowed me to remember my keys or something. You have all the power. How, why, why are you doing this to me? So, blaming God, blaming people, blaming myself, and living with this bitterness. All these are alternatives to hope. Any other alternative? Denying the situation. Ah, it's going to be fantastic. Well, nothing matters. It's going to be fun. <laughs> really kidding myself. Do we, do we do that? Sometimes when we face situations where we feel they are, there's nothing good coming out of this. Do we deny things, do you think? Can you give me an example? Yeah? <laughs> you come out exam and you know you know literally what you've done inside and you say, I've done brilliant, it was great. The best one ever. Oh, when you've hurt someone? When you've hurt someone. Give me can you elaborate a bit? If you know that something's going on and then you just deny the fact that oh I'm sure you took it the right way or Yeah, because it's it's kind of a there's a glimpse of hopelessness there that maybe I I mucked up maybe really I did something really wrong and so I don't want to see that no 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 it's fine it's fantastic she's not upset or nothing so denying it just to make myself feel better because I don't want to see any hopelessness why? because in hopelessness I don't have hope whereas what we said today is in hopelessness this is exactly what I should look for hope is that making sense? Guys, this is quite important. We expect to have hope when things are going well. But I'm telling you, no, our conference is about how to have hope when things are not going well and seemingly going really bad. And there is no hope. Going back to Abraham. Contrary to hope, in hope he believed. So, avoiding thinking about it, so not think about situation, just text my wife and just stay there, think about something completely different. Blame others, blame myself, blame God, blame circumstances, get busy to forget what I'm in, and keep trying the same way, which actually crossed my mind, trying to open the door. So I kept trying. Obviously I know very well I can't open it, but I just kept trying. Maybe, maybe I can open it without breaking it. So I was just trying, and that happens, that happens. When we are really battling with something, or a sin, or a situation that we know is really miserable. We just keep trying, and we, don't, we know deep down that we are actually hopeless. But we just keep trying. Convincing ourselves that, yeah, yeah, just keep trying, keep trying. It will be okay. It's a form of denial. Just keep trying, keep trying. Same way, same way. But actually deep down we know, no, no, we are hopeless. And this is a time where we need hope. Have I lost anyone? I've only got one or two slides left, so don't worry. So, what do we hope in? So instead of telling you to begin with what do we hope in, or what we hope in, I'm going to start with what we should not hope in. First thing is we shouldn't hope in a particular solution. Sometimes when we go through a difficult situation, we hope in a particular solution. Last night I was hoping a miracle might happen, and one of my colleagues passes by with the key, sees me there, and says, Oh, you're stuck. I don't have a key. And let me out. Let me in. That was that crossed my mind. 
So I'm actually hoping in a, a particular solution, and that's not really what we're talking about. Can you give me a biblical example of someone who hoped in a particular situation and God said to him, No. No. Joseph, yeah? Can you tell me? When he hoped when he was in prison, he hoped that someone would come out, tell the king or Pharaoh about him, and then the Pharaoh would know and send the same guy and say, Oh yeah, fantastic, get him out. So he hoped in a particular solution. It's not right. Another one was Abraham himself. Because Abraham, when God said to him, take care of, I'll give you sons like these stars and the sand. He said, oh God, let Ishmael live before you. Ishmael is fine. Why are you going to give me a son from Sarah? Ishmael is fine. I'm happy with that solution. This is my hope. I'm great. What did God say to him? Then God said, no. Sarah, I have a different plan. Sarah will give you the son of the promise. This is, I think, key. Because sometimes our hope is so attached to a particular solution to the problem that we're in. I can only see one way of this solution getting better. Situation, sorry, getting better. I can only see one way of this situation getting better. And this is my hope, Lord. I hope that you do this. As if I'm dictating on God, this is my solution and this is my hope. Second thing, we shouldn't hope in people. Like Joseph, he hoped in someone to remember him and tell the king about him. So he had some hope in people. And God was very clear in Isaiah, sorry, Jeremiah. Cursed be the man that trusts in man. And trust is the same word as hope. Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. Someone of really sort of um, sway between right to left without any strength. And then carries on to say, to say, Blessed is the man that trusts, and again it's hopes, same, trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. Can you see? So first thing, don't hope in a particular solution. Second, not to hope in people. What verse is that? Oh, you got me. It's Jeremiah 17, but I don't know the rest of it. Jeremiah 17 something. Okay. What else should we not hope in? We shouldn't hope in tomorrow. What does that mean? Sometimes we just tell ourselves, hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. How about now? How about what God wants to give you based on your belief in Him now? So hope in tomorrow means that tomorrow is a different day, tomorrow will be fine. There's something beyond tomorrow, something more fundamental than tomorrow. And we'll go to that in a minute. Don't hope in yourself. That's clear. And this is really important, because sometimes, and I've been through this, and I remember, I remember that night very well, I think I was 19 or 20, and I was holding my Bible, and I was kind of battling with, with thoughts, evil thoughts, and I felt there's no hope. I don't think, Lord, I think you got it wrong. 
all the promises I had and read about you working in me and doing something great in me, I can't believe any of them. Because I've been stuck in this sin for a long time. I lost hope in myself. And I thought that this was a very bad state to be in. But little did I know that it was a very joyful state to be in. To lose hope in myself. Because I had to latch my hope on someone else. And I could find nobody but God to put my hope on. So my message to you, if you reach a point where you feel really my abilities, my strength, my wisdom, I, I don't have hope in any of that. This is not a bad state to be in. You're becoming hopeless in yourself. This is not too bad. That means you're looking for someone better, bigger, more capable to hope in. And that's your time. That's your minute. Does that make sense? And don't hope in circumstances, as we said last night, but you hope in the Lord and only in the Lord. And the verse is really clear in Psalms. I'll read the, uh, the one at the bottom. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone can make me dwell in safety. And the other one is when David is talking to his soul and saying, Why are you cast down? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in the Lord, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So he's actually telling himself, Why are you so sad? Are you hopeless in yourself? Are you hopeless in finding a way out of this miserable situation? Remember, this is David who was ordained as a king and he hasn't had his kinghood. He was chased up by Saul for years and years and years. So he was in a miserable situation. But he had the promise to be a king. Very obvious example of somebody has been given a promise and I bet you, I bet you, that all of us in this room, when we read the Bible many years ago, we had a promise that we felt touched us. I guarantee you that all of us sitting in this room, we've had a promise from the Holy Spirit when we were reading the Bible or listening to a sermon and we felt, this is for me. I really hope I become that person or this happens in my life. I feel this verse is mine. But then after you've had this, we went through tough time and it seems endless. Same happened with David. Samuel came to him and said to him, you are the king. And put his oil on him. You are the king. I ordain you the king of Israel. But then, years and years he's been chased up by Saul. He was going to be killed by Saul. And he wasn't on the throne for years. Miserable situation. But the hope is, someone promised me his good all times to me. And he can do it. I'll skip this because that will come up in later talks, which is effective hope on my life, effective hope on the world I live in, and effective hope on others. And I'm very conscious of the time. So I will basically go through this last verse, which is the verse of the conference from Zechariah, um, as we said, 9-12. Turn you to the stronghold you prisoners of hope, even today do I declare that I will render double unto you. My question to you, who are these people who are prisoners of hope? 
everyone. Say again. So, can you elaborate? When are we prisoners of hope? Anyone that has faith. If you have faith, you do believe, have hope at any point of your life, you will become a prisoner. So, when you have faith and you have belief in God, you become prisoners of hope. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that verse? What, what does the Lord want to say here to to us, to the people, to His people? who had faith at times in the, in the verses, in the Bible but then went through a miserable time what does the Lord want to say to us? say so turn to the kingdom of God turn to you to the stronghold is that the kingdom of God? to turn through the strongholds you going to elaborate now? different point? persevere through the hopelessness through those hopeless times so when he does show you hope gives you an answer and a way out. You realize it for what it is. You're touching on a very important thing, which is the perseverance, which we skim through quickly, but this is really important. Hope is not a static state. You need to be doing something when you're hopeful. You need to be doing something when you decide to hope. I'm going back to my example last night. So I decided, I said, well, there's no point in just having hope that something good can come out of this. I need to wait patiently for my wife to come and get me out but at the same time do something to reflect that I have hope do something to reflect that I am believing in God and that I am hopeful so you are very right so sometimes when things don't turn out to be great and we are in a tough time there is time for us to persevere and what St. Augustine was saying that God is actually working in you as you are persevering and this is something you don't see I'll give you one last example the Lord likened the kingdom of God to a number of times to a seed planted in the soil and when you wait patiently for it it becomes a tree do we all remember that? do we all remember that? so the Lord likened the kingdom of heaven to a seed you put it on the soil you plant it and you wait patiently and it becomes a tree. My question to you, where are we in that parable? Are we the seed or the soil? Or the tree? Or all of them? Where the ground? Where the ground? So who is the seed? The word of God? the new man, the Lord Jesus himself, planted in the ground. So who becomes a tree? The seed or the ground? Seed. Any takers? Any other thoughts? Seed or the ground? Can you actually separate the tree from the ground? Says This is the tree, this is the ground. Or do they really become one in a way. But the soil is actually containing the seed in it. And what grows is the seed. You're right. It's Christ in us that grows in us. Why am I saying this? Because I think if we hope that the soil becomes a tree, is that right? Can the soil ever become a tree? No. But the seed in the soil can become a tree. That's our hope. That Christ in me can grow. Why is this important in this verse? Because a lot of times I look back and think, you know what, it's been a year now with Christ, 
attend liturgies, I pray, I read, and I don't see any change in who I am. I am still a ground. I'm, I'm doing some wrong. And I start feeling hopeless, and I start blaming myself, or blaming God, or blaming the church, or blaming others, or blaming my group. Because I feel hopeless. Because when I looked back, last year, I was still a ground. What am I not seeing here, is that there is a seed that is planted in me, and is actually growing deep down. There are roots growing. Does that make sense? That's really key, that I haven't seen that the seed is growing. I'll stop here, and I'm not um, going to talk anymore, and I would like you to sort of contribute or ask questions, is one. Well, first is that last one. Turn you to the stronghold, all of you prisoners of hope. That's Zechariah 9.12. Why is it prisoners of hope? Because being in prison reflects hopelessness. Okay, so Shadi's asked a question. Why is he calling the people um, in the Old Testament that they are prisoners of hope? What does he actually mean by prisoners of hope? What, what were they waiting for? The Messiah. Christ to come. So, prisoners, because they haven't seen Christ yet, and they were waiting for something patiently that they haven't seen. So they're kind of prisoners in a way, because they haven't seen it. That's the state of hopelessness. But they weren't hopeless. They had hope. And this is key, Shadi, that we... Our definition, according to Abraham, was contrary to hope, he believed in hope. So, if you really want to experience hope, you will experience that in a hopeless situation. So, that's in a sense them acknowledging the fact that there is a problem, being prisoners. Exactly. That we are still stuck, we haven't got a Messiah, but we have the hope that there will be a Messiah, as he says in Hebrews, that they saw the promises and they waved at them. So, they, this is really a good example, that they were in a hopeless situation, but they had hope that Messiah is coming. And God is faithful in His promises. He will do it. Remember, I said to you, uh, by definition, hope should be manifested in the way we think and how we feel. And it should be translated into behavior. So the question for you and me, is my behavior reflecting someone who has hope that something good will come out of this misery? Or reflecting what I see? which is something, nothing is going to come out of this, or something okay. That's a question for me. What is my behavior saying about myself? Am I someone who is living in hope based on faith, or am I someone who is hopeless and just trying to cover up? Can it work? Elaborate, please. Um, So Mariam is asking, can it work the other way around? But inside, you're not in a very good place. But then eventually, it kind of... Oh, you're asking a very tricky question. Okay, so Mariam is asking, can it work the other way around? That you, deep down, you feel really hopeless, but you don't want to affect other people around you. I'm sure this will come up in our relationships tomorrow. You want to affect the people around you, so you 
put on a mask of hopefulness, joy, just to pretend really and not to. And this is really common in church. But sometimes I don't want really um, Mina or Marina to feel bad. So in church I put on a very nice smiley face, and uh, but deep down I feel awful or I feel hopeless in my situation. What do you think? You knew I was going to ask you for that. Can it work? That's, that's the first question. Can it work or not? That's your question. The next question is, should I actually be um, putting mask on or should I be myself and just go to church sobbing and kind of miserable? And which one is, what should I do?
can't have the best of both worlds. I'm not trying to start favoring one. Like, that, that to me, like, I can't be sitting there and saying, um, if, you know, denial, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I have to either decide the situation was going to save me, and I need to act in a way that I actually believe it's going to happen, and like you said, change my thoughts, or be hopeless and give up the fact that I can't do anything about it, but at the same time remember that you can do something. Well, I think that's the only way it comes out. That's the only solution. Oh, I think I think I agree with what you're saying, and that we um, are not meant to pretend that situations that we go through are hopeful in themselves. That's fact. So we're not there to pretend that situations are hopeful. The question for me, Mariam, as a person, is I would like to ask my, myself before I'm actually outside with people. What is my decision? I mean, I am in a hopeless situation. What is it that I would like to do now? So I'll give you my example to use it. So I was there and I was thinking, I have two routes. I have lots of alternatives to hope. Stay in despair. I'll maybe show you. Just to remember that the alternative is not nice. So I had two routes. One is to cover up or stay in despair or deny a situation or whatever. That's one route. Or the other one is to actually find out what is my belief so I can base my hope on it. And the easiest one I put before you is God is good to me at all times, unconditionally. If this is my belief, if I stick to that, then I can decide to have hope because I know you are good to me all times. Then I can have hope. That something in you will change. So again, what I'm trying to say is, there is a decision to be taken. And for me to take that decision, I need to examine my faith. What are my standards? What are my pillars in my life? What am I standing on? If I can't stand on God is good to me at all times, then what am I standing on? So then I'll be shaky. I'll be very shaky. So what I need to ask myself before I ask, do I have hope or not? Should I pretend or not? Should I be protective of people or not? There's a more fundamental question. What I believe in? What is my belief? Why am I looking for hope in a hopeless situation I can't find it? Because I need to examine my faith. What is my faith? Can God be cruel at times? Can he be mean at times? Or can he be good at all times to me? So that's a fundamental question. If I find this answer in my heart, God will give it to me because St. Augustine is clear, God will work through my will. If he goes into my will and gives me that answer in my heart to aid my will, then I can actually will the right will. Because God would want to purify my will by teaching me about himself and his love and his care and protection of me. So my answer to you is, no, I shouldn't be pretending that situations are fantastic. But at the same time, I need to ask myself this fundamental question. Tomorrow we will hear more about our fellowship. Because I think this is really key. Because sometimes, Joe, for instance, if we are in a very close relationship, we're really in a fellowship, me and you, sometimes I need to tell you how I really feel. I'm stuck. So that God, through you, can refresh my faith and refresh my hope and send me hope through you. If you see what I mean. So that's why we need each other. Because me and you and everyone else, we're really into, into a relationship where we both feel at times that things aren't really going to work out. And God 
needs God would like to use each other. But the problem happens, Mariam, is when we all fake our lives and we don't have any intimate spiritual relationship where we can actually disclose our stuckness and God sends us hope and faith through other people. May I just clarify it's not a matter of, of, of being fake, it's a matter of maintaining optimism, you know, and positivity. Whereas if you fall into that shallow puddle of negativity and your feet get wet, and all of a sudden everything's got worse, you know, when your feet are in the shoes. And, um, there's only one reservation uh, I'll say about this. It's not fake, it's just optimism, you know, against diversity so people around you don't fall into the same pessimism or pessimistic viewpoint because that's, that's lethal. Then everything crumbles. Do you know what I mean? It's all worth it, isn't it? Yeah, but the only... The only <laughs> The only point I make, I think, I think you're saying the same thing, but I think the only point I make here is it's not an act of will to do it without hoping in God. So I shouldn't be optimistic just because I want to be optimistic and there's nothing I'm basing that on. So what, I'm, what, what God is adding to us tonight is saying, no, no, you need to be hopeful because I love you and because I am good to you at all times. It's not because you're hoping in the situation to change or because you are hoping that you do something different or so what am I basing my hope on is Ricky or optimism or positivity because that would be transmitted to, to people so for instance if Shahar comes, Shahar comes and says to me might tell you what I'm really stuck in a situation and the situation is um, I have a very big financial problem and the bank is saying blah 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 and I'm losing um, money and whatever and if I try to base his hope on circumstances, don't worry, maybe the bank changes its mind, maybe you find a better solicitor, maybe blah 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 then I'm actually colluding with his stuckness I need to question myself do I have faith in God first to come, so I can base that hope on, on it or not there will be your faith in any situation but your hope is not in a particular solution it's not that God will send me money or God will give me uh, the job I wanted. That's fine to pray for that. But the hope is that God can make, or expect God, I trust God, to make something good out of this. And as we will hear uh, tomorrow, that our hope is in eternity. It's not really in, our, in the life here. St. Paul says a beautiful verse that if we just hope in this life, then we are miserable. And I want to talk to us tomorrow about this. That hope is actually based on eternity. That's why I said we hope in God Himself, in the Lord. Do you know that verse? St. Paul says, if we only hope in this life, then we are the most miserable of all. So hope is actually one of the main fundamentals in hope, that it's based on eternity. And this is really key. So if I want to encourage you, let's say you've gone into a very horrible situation, and I, w- I would really, really want to encourage you, and I'm using all the earthly ways as your really intimate spiritual friend, I am deluding you. I'm not being a good spiritual support to you, because I haven't reminded you of our hope, which is in eternity. So if you're going to visit someone who's sick, 
And all your words, supportive words, are making them hope in medicine. Or, I'm sure the surgeons will do a great job. I'm sure the medics will do a good job. This is all earthly support. I'm actually not being the best spiritual mate because I haven't reminded the person of the main hope in the Lord that He has promised us the eternity. This is where we hope. This is where we stand. This is our main land. Simple. So, for instance, I'm, I belong to Australia. For instance, this is my citizenship, but I am living temporarily in the UK. And each time I feel miserable, Mina would come and say to me, Don't worry, we're not staying in the UK. You are going to Australia at some point. Just start building a life around this. Remember, we're going back to Australia, to Sydney, where there's sun, where there's no snow, where it's Christmas is lovely. So, this is instilling hope based on my citizenship, my eternity. And I, I bet you, we all fall into that trap. We encourage each other using earthly stuff. And that's a trick. Because that's not really what hope is. We add misery to people rather than hope. Any other questions or comments? Shall we leave it there? So they tell you just hope in the Lord and they do nothing or you do nothing? They do nothing because it's about their situation, not my situation. Oh, it's about, so someone is stuck in a situation where it feels really hopeless. Exactly, and uses the Lord as some sort of escapism or whatever. Mm, Escapism or just hope in the Lord and something will happen. Yeah. Okay, do you go ahead and answer to that? You know what, I had the same question in another talk once, and it was a bishop, you know what he said?
I'm not tuned to that. I can't see him. I can't engage with him. That's why it remains miserable, as you're saying, people. Rabbana yabath, Rabbana yabath, for ages. Nothing happens, and I'm remaining miserable. I'm just saying, denying the fact that there's something missing. What is actually missing is in this hopelessness, what I needed to do, I needed to get tuned with God. And for me to do this, I need to start with my faith. And if I have that hope, as we talk about, we actually, I'll, I'll be doing something. I won't be lazy. I won't be just sitting there waiting. I'll be doing something reflecting what I have in my heart. So it's not lazy waiting. So, David, as he was waiting to have his kingdom, was he sitting there, lazy, doing nothing? Did he not write the... Um, psalms that we sing till now did he not have the experience of God saving him once, twice, many times and protecting him and giving him victory why is he experiencing God in all this miserable situation if I were in David's shoes I'd be sitting there crying blaming God for making me a king you should not even make me a king and as I said to you I bet you all of us in this room we've had verses talk to our heart about God's promise in us because of the length of time that we've had in the land of hopelessness we've we started to believe that and we started to lose our hope and we we didn't really cling enough to God's promises and God's um, goodness to us and that's the only way to make your time of wait time when you're waiting fruitful and full of hope and full of engagement with God Glory be to God and now forever. Amen.